Kit McCarty here, welcoming you to Now I See, a podcast where people of vision share their eye-opening experiences that helped them shift focus, gain perspective, and see themselves and their world in a whole new way. We invite you to pull up a chair to the conversational table, pour yourself a drink, and enjoy our show. We're hoping our time together will encourage, elevate, and engage you toward your own eye-opening moments. Today's special guest is no stranger to those of the Now I See circle of friends. Join with me in welcoming once again, Linda Whitman. Good morning. Linda's episode was the very first one we aired when the Now I See podcast launched seven months ago, and she's back now by popular demand. On the first episode, we heard from Linda, who is an education advocate, about how Texas schools are addressing the special needs of non-typical learners, like those on the autistic spectrum or students with dyslexia. At that time, many students were still studying at home. Now that students are back in school, we're wondering how those students and their families and their teachers are doing, what challenges we're facing now, and how those concerns are being addressed. Linda, please help us see what's been happening since our last conversation. Well, yes, ma'am. I am very excited to come back and visit with the podcast world, and I've really had an opportunity to see it in action at a recent meeting in a local school district in which the assistant principal attending the meeting said, I know you, I heard your voice, I heard your comments on Now I See It with Kit. And I said, that is correct, that was us, we had a great time. So um, you are being heard and the messages are getting out to our communities and that I think was an amazing find for me that it didn't just go out to Never Never Land, it went to right here in DFW. Yep, that's a good thing. So tell us what is happening. Well, we are back in school and many of the school districts are are plugging away, working hard with their traditional lessons. And we had a new kink in the plan this year thrown onto the schools in late June, June 25th, administrators received notification from the Texas Education Agency about a recent House bill. House Bill 4545 arrived this summer and put in place some very strict structured plans for helping students who did not succeed on their previous STAR tests. Now, if you remember, many of our schools were still virtual, had virtual learning opportunities, they had co-seating, they had a variety of ways for the students to acquire last year's knowledge and skills. But we were also told not to worry, even though we were going to have our students take the STAR tests, not to worry. The new House bill came out and said quite a few things. It said the students are not going to be held back based on STAR scores. Previously, if a student did not pass grades three and five and eight, certain tests, they could be held back a year, even if their report card was passing. But that has changed. We no longer have that requirement that they must pass the STAR test in order to promote. Is that good? This this has come about and is expanding on the requirement for us to have accelerated instructional programs. We've had that requirement, but now it's much more structured. And the requirements uh, indicate that students must have 30 hours of accelerated instruction supplemental tutorial in all the grades three four five six seven eight nine high school if they didn't pass star 
if they didn't take the star for various reasons, the kids didn't take it, then they are to also be included as a non-pass. There are some things that schools can do. They can use a release test. They can use something that we call MAP, a MAP assessment. And if it said the student was in the scoring range, then those students don't have to go to tutorials. But teachers came back in August to a new rule. We have to prepare for and plan for and provide 30 hours of a tutorial program no more than three to one ratio pupil to teacher unless the parents give a waiver to have more than three kids in a group they cannot miss recess pe music fine arts enrichment no core subject so schools were scrambling to do several things so again stresses on on the teachers and the administrators to redesign a master schedule look for materials that meet the requirements to determine the best time before or after school, during school. And where are we gonna get all these people if we have to do three to one? And where? what do you mean we have to use last year's STAR tests? The kids missed a great deal of traditional instruction. So it's been a nail biter. It has been frustrating. There have had to be accelerated instruction committee meetings. There have had to be extra ARD special education meetings to discuss accelerated instruction plans, tutorials, what it looks like, how we're providing it, what are we going to do in it? And it all happened right before school started. And wow. has, so that schools cast- are struggling. They've done, they've done their best and it's underway. We have kiddos that are going before school, after school. Some schools have rearranged their master schedules to set up a a time of day that's called what I need, the wind time, and kids come and go in different things. But that was a nail biter to start school with. We have to do what, by when, and how. With all the changes that have had to been made during COVID, you'd think we'd be much better at being more flexible and able to move more quickly as opportunities ebb and flow. I want to go back and talk about not taking the star. Is that a good thing? Well, the the first part of your question is not having to pass the STAR. And I spoke many years ago at the Texas Education Agency Sunset Review Commission. And I spoke to them and I said, we're taking an eight-year-old, maybe a nine-year-old, and we're asking them to put their entire promotion year on one test, one day, one question. And I didn't think it was fair to take a child in grades three, four, five, six, seven, eight, all the way through high school even, and say, you have worked all year in every subject and you've made A's and B's on every subject, but you sat down on that test and you missed it by one question. You failed. Now we did have in that time period, multiple opportunities. Oh, come back, we're gonna gonna help you. We're gonna tutor you and you're gonna come back in a month and you're gonna take it again. Well, I missed it by two questions this time because now I'm nervous. I'm really scared that I can't graduate third grade and go to fourth grade. So we're going to give you one more chance in the summer. Everybody can pass it. Nope, this little child. So we had children, 8, 9, 10, 11 years of age, with and without learning disabilities and needs, not pass a test. Their whole year was A's and B's and C's. They couldn't pass a test. Does that mean they can't go to the next grade level? Well, that was part of the law. Grade placement committees met and made a decision to place them on up or hold them back. 
Well, don't we have some concerns that some people who uh, can't take the test don't have uh, content mastery? I mean, it'd be hard to put a child who's struggling to read at a third grade level into fourth grade class that's so reading heavy. Is that an issue? But, but yeah. Maybe that's not an issue we need to address in in this conversation. Um, but but it, is a, it is a very valid question because our first time we visited, we talked about my advocacy with kids with dyslexia. Right. We have intelligent children who struggle to read. Yes. And their their struggles on the star reading tests are where we see the greatest problems. You cannot have the test read to the student. They have to read it on their own. The, the questions and answers of the passages on the test can be read to the kids. But if they cannot read a sixth grade reading passage on a sixth grade star test because they're dyslexic and they're not finished with the decoding dyslexia programs or they're a late discovery and they're reading on a third grade ability, they're not going to pass that test. Got it. So they're intelligent and they have mastered the content. Their struggle is reading the questions. Okay, then that makes sense to me. So let's talk a little bit about um, what happened to students who needed special education but weren't able to get it while they were studying at home. Well, those, those situations are somewhat few and far between. When we first closed a year ago, um, we didn't have the platforms and the devices and the hotspots. And so the kiddos missed a lot of the minutes of service, a lot of the therapies. And so schools regrouped. They gave what they could with the understanding when you start up in the fall of 2020, be ready to provide compensatory support. Got it. What harm happened with their academics or behaviors because there's therapy in more than one way. Like I said, Anderson has occupational therapy and physical therapy. What did he do when the school closed? And did it impact or set him back? So last year, when we were in combination of school settings with opens and closed, you could be virtual, you could be in the building. Schools tried to make up for missing therapies and missing academic time with the special ed teachers. So they went through the process of discovering through the compensatory services, we owe you extra time because your child did digress. Your child did not make progress. So we're gonna add more time. Let's figure out how we can make that happen. So they've been trying this past school year to close those gaps of what they could not provide and did not provide and how it impacted the kids. Many of the parents stepped in and did things and it kept the kids from really falling way behind and so when they came back last year, there was less to have to make up than we thought. Same thing still for this year. We're still looking this year for any opportunities to compensate for kids still remaining. Anderson remained home all year last year. Some families' children remained home all year, and they did the best they could with virtual special education support, virtual occupational therapy support returning this school year 2021 2022 they're still evaluating kids to see how do we need to compensate for anything for any loss as a result of covid there's more money coming into the schools to help close those gaps that is good news therapies and services more teachers there 
there's money to help with this um, tutorial plan that we had put upon us. Uh, schools are hiring ESSR, and I'd have to look up again, educational, what all those funds mean. <laughs> they're, ha- they're hiring extra instructional coaches to go in and help teachers. So there's money coming in. We're still studying and analyzing how much did your child suffer. If you're below grade level reading and you didn't get access to your reading specialist, oops, we need to come back in and shore that up. We're going to give you more time with the reading specialist. Well, now our reading specialist is stretched thin. What sure. do we do? We have money. We can hire another one. Well, have they been trained? Well, let's put money into training. So money's coming out. Even though Texas is still in serious trouble with the federal government, special education programs evaluated us and said, we're not doing things right. We underwent um, some laws that did not pass. They were unanimously passed in the education committees that both uh, Senate and um, House, but when they got to the final stopping point, they were stopped. So the Beckley-Wilson Act got stopped. The State Board of Education met in September and made some adjustments to the Dyslexia Handbook, and OSEP has come in and begun. It's still directing Texas. You will line things up according to the federal ways, determining students with needs and how to serve them. We got, we got slapped again. Texas still has not done what they needed to do in wow. every area. And I do believe that slap included a penalty of loss of funding. So we, we don't need to lose funding. No. Texas, need, Texas needs to get on the stick and make some changes. And some of those changes require legislative changes. Well, the legislators didn't make those changes. So wow. we're, we're, we're not perfect, but I know our schools are the te- the teachers are working hard and I, I, I don't find an art meeting of any kind where the teacher says nope i'm not going to do that they're they're eager give me the kid give me that child get out of my way give me some extra training give me some more resources and i'm going to take care of do everything i can to help that child it's it's not our teachers not trying we just have some red tape in our way that we've got to remove and Texas is getting closer to removing all of those problems and red tape and entanglements. And we are getting more money given to us in certain areas, such as the tutorials and COVID recoveries. Well, that is good news. And I'm so glad to hear that, uh, that students are doing well post-COVID and that the teachers are excited to be back and that there is some remediation for the time that they were delayed. So that is a step in the right direction. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a second. I hope you're enjoying this Encore conversation with our guest, Linda Whitman. She's doing remarkable work on behalf of others. You can find out more about Linda, Texas Public Schools, and the Texas Education Agency, the House Bill 4545, all the things in our show today, really, by checking on our accompanying show notes, reading our blog on our site at nis.media, or signing up for our weekly newsletter, which will ensure you get a first look at each week's guest and all the relating reading and references. Perhaps you or someone you know would benefit from hearing this conversation. Please download it for your own future reference or share it with a friend. And if you happen to run into Linda or me, say hi. As she mentioned, we love hearing from you. You can also continue this conversation by posting on Facebook, on Linda's page or mine. I'm at Kit McCarty, N-I-S, 
While you're there, follow the link to join our Now I See group. Now, back to our show. Right, listeners, thank you so much. Uh, we are back now with Linda Whitman. We've been talking about what happened during COVID with students who had unique learning styles. And we are going to talk now about what Linda is currently working on and what's next for those students, what's next for our advocates. Linda, go ahead. Well, some of the exciting news for the changes that have begun is that it's a little easier for parents to request assistance from the schools. I had an opportunity to be in a school district meeting a week or so back. And one of the things that impressed me was that they've already met and decided as a committee of teachers and school administrators that children who previously were identified as a dyslexic reader using what we call the 504 pathway, um, which we really didn't and weren't supposed to use the way in which we did, which is why we got in trouble. But If parents come into this committee and they say, you know, I really think we need to test our kids. There's no questions. Yes, ma'am. We will formally, fully evaluate your child. All of the cognitive scores, all of the achievement scores. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. We will do that. Especially if your child was originally evaluated through this other pathway, this other direction. Well, when the handbook, Tech Dyslexia Handbook, was under revision and the State Board of Education took it seriously, and I had a great opportunity to speak a two-minute plead along with other advocates, other parents, and other key evaluators in Texas and stakeholders in Texas to ask the State Board of Education to ensure that the Dyslexia Handbook used by schools is aligned to the federal requirements when it comes to determining the conditions of dyslexia and the presence of any learning disabilities. We're not going to shortcut it. We're not going to put a cap on it. There is no cap in determining how many learning disabilities or children with disabilities are present in the district. So currently that is forthcoming. Following the protocols Once the State Board of Education so declared that it would be a single pathway for a full individual evaluation, now we're waiting for it to upload appropriately to what is known as the Texas Register, and then that information will be sent out. So Texas Education has already informed administrators it's forthcoming. So when families come to a school meeting, they say, my child cannot read, we're struggling, their spelling is terrible, cannot write three sentences, my gosh, what are we doing? And it doesn't matter how old they are, kindergarten on up. And the school district says, let's take a look at that with you. And then they say, well, I want my child tested. And the school district will most likely say, yes, let's take care of that. And they will do a full and complete evaluation. In the past, we would only do a subset and only look for the condition of dyslexia. We were kind of stuck. We had to keep a cap on us, an eight and a half percent cap. No more than eight and a half percent of our student population could be identified as special ed. We had kids who couldn't read. Dyslexia is 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 a recognizable condition. So we were using another pathway to find the children and serve the children. But in doing so, we overlooked some children. And the full evaluation 
doesn't let us overlook them quite the same way. He said, it's like, you don't really overlook them anymore when it's sitting right there. There's another problem that we might not have seen. So it's exciting to know the State Board of Education will meet again in November. Their role is very important in determining what and how we teach in Texas. Our legislators are very important. They're part of what and how we teach in Texas. Texas Education Agency has to take this information and meet it out to the administrators and to the schools. So when House Bill 4545 rolled out, it was four pages. That was it, real short. Now we have a frequently asked questions and answers document at the TEA website is 95 questions. So they have to take the law that has been given to them and turn it into what does this look like in the schools, along with the State Board of Education directing social studies curriculum, controversial, what is critical race theory? How does that fit into our curriculum? What may we, may we not teach? So right now, what I'm excited about is that when my families come to me, they don't come to me and say, I cannot get my child evaluated. They tell me, no, I have to wait till third grade. No, not anymore. They don't have to just go through the 504 pathway and determine dyslexia only. No, that's going away. So we are stepping out. The schools are stepping out and they're finding the children. Child find laws are important and they're finding the children, evaluating the children, and then they can come back and say, now we know how to help them. Now we know how to best serve them. That doesn't mean every child assessed goes into special education. There's a stigma. Oh, my, my kid's in special ed. No. That means we're going to evaluate them. And if they need the teacher, a specially trained special education teacher, great. But if they don't, great. A dyslexia teacher doesn't have to be special education trained. They can be both. A special education teacher who will serve a dyslexia student must be trained in dyslexia. So we're trying to educate the parents to not be afraid of evaluation and not be stigmatized by going to a special education teacher to help their child read and write. It doesn't carry that negative connotation that maybe I grew up with and worried about, you know, my child is or my friend is a special ed. So we are, we're excited about the changes and getting kids better evaluated, better opportunity to figure out the best way to serve their needs. I do think that public opinion is changing about education. I think as we discover that many children have learning differences, and that doesn't mean necessarily that they're wrong. They're just different than the way most other children learn. And I think as the society welcomes that, embraces that, realizes that that's a situation, as we learn to address those needs and teach those needs, we're going to elevate everyone. Um, And students who get the training that they need are certainly going to be more excited about learning, are going to continue developing curiosity. Um, And just because they're having difficulties reading, as you've pointed out so many times, doesn't mean that they're not smart. Um, In fact, the the fact that they've gotten so far without a good ability to read shows just how smart they are. So I'm glad that the tide is changing. Do you think that that that's happening? I kind of think it is. Oh, I do. Um, we're having, we're having more and more teachers take an interest in becoming reading experts. Now, a couple of years ago, Texas said all the teachers are going to go through reading academies. Administrators are going to go through most of the reading academy. The shift in how we teach reading is, is coming to 
embrace more of the phonics, more of a science with reading rather than let's look at the clues and the pictures and guess what that word might mean. So we're, we're shifting the way in which we teach. It's highly controversial from those that have taught years and years and they have multiple ways and big bag of tricks. But like you said, they're learning differences and learning needs in order for me to acquire the information and there's more than one way, there's more than one subject. I may do great in algebra, but not so great in geometry. Just the difference in how my brain sees it, hears it, processes. I may get there, but I may need more time to get there. So give me more practice. So accommodate me. I don't always have to go to another teacher's room to get support. That teacher can come in the room. So we have a highly inclusive education program these days. We don't pull kids out and take them somewhere else and single them out on a frequent on a greater frequency. Dyslexia, they do go to another room. Speech education, where we're learning to speak and articulate, they do leave and go to another room. But we don't always send our students to another teacher just to help their learning needs and their learning differences. Those teachers come in. It's a co-teach, it's an inclusion world. And what it, what it boils down to is we have a lot of kids in the classroom that can teach each other. They can work with each other. They group and they partner. Hopefully as COVID releases those burdens of masks and releases them from being behind plastic partitions, then they can come back and collaborate. Kids can help each other learn. They can teach each other things. We rely on the differences in teachers' strengths and skills. More and more teachers say, have said, I'm on all these Facebook groups, they really want to know the very best way for the kids to learn to read because that impacts every course they take. Of course. If they cannot read, it's going to impact their math test. The math test can be read to students, whereas the reading tests, only the questions and answer choices. But that three-page composition cannot be read to the student. That passage cannot be read to the student. So we're, we're improving, we're trying, we're striving, we're getting extra money. Teachers are seeking more training. Um, parents are understanding that my child will be more included than in generations in past. And there's, there's a bit of a sigh of relief that help is on the way. That's got to be an encouragement to parents, uh, especially if they notice that their child is struggling. Most of the parents that I talk to whose children are having difficulties in schools are thrilled to find out that there are programs, resources, uh, special education uh, teachers that are willing to invest in their child and to help them succeed. And so that's very exciting. I like the trend I'm seeing in education. The only thing that we're still working towards is a student with a special education plan and the condition of dyslexia and bridging what is considered a general education program into a special education plan. And many of the schools have learned to stop saying, that's a general education program. We don't address it in an ARD meeting. Yes, we do. It is a learning condition that is served with the general education teacher, but it is addressed in an ARD meeting and we do write goals for it. And we do monitor it just like we would anything else. And I'm, I'm excited in all the 30 different school districts that I've had a chance to work with in the last several years that I now can come to an ARD, special education meeting, and here comes dyslexia. We write goals for it. We talk about it. We monitor it. And we include the dyslexia teacher in the meetings. 
that is big. That's a big thing that three years ago, I was having to come in and say, yes, dyslexia is talked about in an art meeting. Yes, we do write goals for it. And so, yes, I'm, you can see, because you're seeing me, we're through a Zoom meeting, you can see the excitement that I have, if others can hear it in my voice. We are making changes, united educators, administrators, legislators, and parents. We're, we're not perfect, but we're working in the right directions because the kids are going to come first. We're talking, we're having tough conversations on how to make it all work. We're coming together. And I think that's what should have been happening and perhaps was happening all along, but people just didn't have the resources. I love the uh, current trend in education, and I love educators' hearts knowing when they go into the profession that they're there to make an impact on the next generation, to give them all the tools they need to succeed. And there's nothing more rewarding as a teacher to help your student understand the subject that you're trying to teach, that moment when the light bulb turns on Mm -hmm. and they suddenly see everything they couldn't see in the dark before. And uh, it's a thrilling moment. Well, as we close out our show today, is there any hope or encouragement that you want to give parents? I do want them to feel empowered. They have a voice. And I help represent that voice. You don't always have to have an advocate. But they have rights. They have the Texas Education Agency website, Texas Disability Rights website. Because if they say, I want something for my child, but they're afraid to ask for it, I want to encourage them to feel empowered that there are voices that will represent them or help them use their own voice and to go for it. Thanks. And to teachers and administrators, what would you say? We pray for them. We need their, um, we need them to understand that we value what they're doing. We understand that it is a hard road right now. And You know, a lot of times I have to say, I'm going to ask your forgiveness when I come to these meetings and I start asking for very specific pieces of information and just be patient that we need all the information they can give us in order to make the best decisions for the kids. But to please understand, we do value those teachers and administrators. It's hard trying to help the teacher and the child and the parent. And I also pray for them. As a nation and as a, as a society, we've got to empower these individuals, the teachers, but we also have to give them the resources. We also have to give them a whole lot of latitude of when parents hear, I can't, I didn't hear back from my principal. I'm going, honey, they've got thousands of kids. They're not going to get back to you today. Just be a little patient. They'll get back to you. If you don't hear from them in a week, yeah, we're calling again. Yes, education is the whole field is just so difficult and increasingly so as our society is changing. Thank you so much for your tireless work as an educational advocate for the students that have been helped by the work that you do, by the families that have been encouraged, and by the insight and the counsel that you give our educators and administrators. We so appreciate the work you're doing, Linda. Well, thank you, Kit, for getting this information out to the worldwide web, so to speak, because these podcasts go in all kinds of directions. But locally, I know that there are families that are listening, and I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about what's going on, hopefully give them some encouragement that it is improving and that they have voice. And if they need help with that voice, there's places to help them. 
Thanks so much. That's a good word. And thanks to listeners for uh, liking, subscribing, encouraging our guests and encouraging me, your host. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Can you think of someone who would enjoy our show today? If so, please share it with them. You can help others find us too by liking, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Visit today's show notes for show highlights, links to recommended resources, including our own, nis.media. I'd love to hear what you have to say, so drop me a line at Kit McCarty NIS on Facebook or at kit at nis.media. And if you'd like to hear more from me, sign up for my periodic newsletter when you're on my site. Special thanks to the production team at Headset Radio and to my friend Becky Salazar for the bumper music. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. See you again soon.